this idea of trying to understand what it is we're trying to protect ourselves against. Like, what's that sense of internal anxiety or worries? Why does that potentially feel scary to take the cape off? What might happen if we fall short? Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. If you're a super busy, stressed out mom looking to minimize self-doubts, challenge unrealistic expectations, and confront negative self-talk, all while increasing your self-confidence, then you already know that you have to stop feeling inadequate and fully believe in yourself. That's where the Quiet Your Inner Mean Girl program can help. In just eight weeks, you can transform your inner critic to become your biggest cheerleader. You will learn proven methods to stop negative self-talk, break the cycle of negative thinking, and shift your self-beliefs to ones that serve you. Start treating yourself with kindness and compassion and grow your self-esteem and confidence by enrolling in the Quiet Your Inner Mean Girl program today. You can find the link in the show notes of today's episode. Today for the Moms Without Capes podcast, we have Nicola Holmes. Welcome to the show, Nicola. Hi, Ani. Nice to be with you. So Nicola is an experienced life coach who helps people turn their potent questions, longings, and dreams into inspired action. She loves supporting people who feel stuck, frustrated, stagnant, lost, or like they're playing small and helps them tap into fresh clarity and find the courage so that they can grow into bigger, braver versions of themselves. Nicola is also a devoted mom of two kids, ages five and seven, and knows firsthand about the endless juggle of balancing momhood and life. Today, we'll be chatting about how perfectionism, people-pleasing, and other protective strategies keep us safe, yet need to be dealt with so that we can move forward in our lives. So awesome. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because it's a lot of the, of the same things that I talk about all around the Moms Without Capes community. So I'm, I'm anxious, to, or I'm excited, not anxious, I'm excited to dive in. <laughs> Me too, Ani. I was listening. I listened and sort of took a good look at the history of all your podcasts. And I felt, oh yeah, there's a lot of alignment here. Like it's probably going to be quite fun to see what we get into today. Yes, for sure. So before we dive into all of of what we're going to dive into today, share with us more about your journey and what got you to be where you are today. Oh gosh, that's a big one. But (laughs) I mean, I guess a few highlights would be like I was kind of sort of a high achieving kid and made my way through, you know, early life and my undergrad. And then really after I graduated from like a program that covered a lot of psychology, sociology, I really started to kind of flounder through my twenties and early thirties. Like I just really struggled to find vocational direction. And it was really kind of bewildering and tough having sort of soared through school and early life when there was structure and then really having a hard time in that sort of early adulting phase. And um, 
So I did my best. I was trying different jobs and quite a spiritual seeker doing a lot of neat adventures. But then um, in my early 30s, I read a really pivotal book called um, Finding Your Own North Star, uh, Claiming the Life You Were Meant to Live by Martha Beck, kind of all about helping people at times when they're feeling lost. And it was really helpful. And I began to recommend it to others who might be in a similar boat. And I ended up at about at that same stage in my life, I started a, a master's degree in um, adult development and sorry, adult learning and community <laughs> development. And when I was recommending the book to others, someone said to me, well, who wrote this book? And I was like, oh, this woman, Martha Beck. And oh, what is she? You know, she's a life coach. And I hadn't known of coaching at all through my 20s. And when I was describing what a life coach is and how they help people, this friend of mine at the time, Amy said, oh my gosh, that sounds like you. You know, you're this really <laughs> resourceful, curious, enthusiastic person who encourages people's potential. And so for me, that was like a real game changer moment in my life. And I began to sort of explore this as a possible professional direction and really adapted the rest of my grad studies. And um, so that was like just sort of some shorthand of like my own life experiences and what brought me to coaching. And, and really it's been a great fit. Like I've been coaching for about 14 years. I'm in my mid forties now. And um, so that's one sort of big arc. And the other piece is that I always wanted to be a mom but really struggled that same adulting stuff, trying to find the right career path. I also had a lot of serial monogamy and I just didn't kind of settle into a committed partnership until later in life. So I feel really blessed. I became sort of like a later in life mom. I had my first child at age 39 and then my second child at 41. So really here I am kind of midlife. I love my coaching work. I love being a mom. You know, hopefully that gives you a little bit of something to work with. I would say those are sort of my key vocations, motherhood and coaching. Absolutely. So, you know, that made me kind of, that made me smile when you said about your first child with 30 because I was like, I was always um, not have. we have six kids. I know. By the time... I'm like, it was my thing. I'm like, I do not want to have any kids past 36. Like that was my cutoff. And I had our last one at 37. Like it's, it's just so a little funny. over. Oh and I'm God. like, and I was just getting going. Yeah, <laughs> you were your you finish line. Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine. So. Oh yeah, but I'm so grateful. You know, like I really at that point, when you were at 37 having your last kid, I was beginning to reconcile, well, maybe this won't happen for me. I wasn't prepared to pursue solo parenthood on my own and I wasn't in the partnership I'd hoped so it almost felt like maybe I'm gonna have to start reconciling that which felt pretty poignant and for me it was more like such a surprise like in the nick of time blessing yeah. that I met a great partner and had those kids when I did yeah that that's an awesome story so and I definitely want to talk to you more and we probably we might do this after the podcast but I want to talk yeah. after the recording more about your 14 years in life coaching because it's you for know sure. I feel like I've been in it for a while but you've been in it like 10 times well five times as more as longer so definitely want to talk to you more about that well and let me just add just super short Ani happy to share more about it but yeah about 10 years part-time capacity and I worked okay. for about 20 years in the social service sector, especially okay. a lot of work in the violence against women sector. So 10 years part-time and then, you know, about the last four, 
also with some pandemic parenting and long COVID thrown in there and some discombobulating times, but full time for these last few years. We, we have more and similar than, <laughs> we don't have a lot. So I actually did my, when I was getting my master's, I did my internship in a domestic violence shelter okay. and worked with domestic violence victims. Mm -hmm. And it was, oh, I loved that work. It was well, amazing work, but I worked as like a counselor capacity. And I worked especially with the moms and the children. So it was for women okay. and kids yes. fleeing abuse. And my role was sort of like supporting the families, not just the women. Some of the counselors focused on that right. role. Mine right. was on women as mothers and those children as the, in their yeah. impact. Such yeah. a great need. So, okay. So let's just dive into okay. perfectionism, people pleasing, all of these other behaviors and thinking patterns that mm -hmm. you have shared that keep us safe. First of yeah. all, let's, let's talk about how do these different patterns show up mm -hmm. for moms mm -hmm. specifically? Yep. Well, what I was sort of thinking about, and I'll just say shorthand, like I love just moms without capes. Like just, I guess I think there is a lot of fit for us to connect because it just seems to me people who are sort of striving to do it all, to have those capes <laughs> kind of heroic levels. I think these are really common patterns. And as I had named them with you, like I especially was excited to dig into perfectionism. And I think especially as it pertains to parenting, I think often it may be that there's a sense of like never good enough as a parent or never good enough as the juggle of trying to do it all, whether it's like the good enough stay at home mom who's like, I don't know, some kind of Martha Stewart who's got crafts <laughs> and baking and they're on the PTA or conversely for women who may be trying to juggle professional lives like paid work as well as their parenting and domestic responsibilities. I think there might be a feeling of like never able to kind of get it quite right and have it all together. And sometimes that might look like I better read yet more parenting books on attachment or another book on like my kid and that picky eating challenge we seem to be having, you know, or maybe it's again, in that juggle, this tension of how do I be good enough at work and at home? And it just, this never enough. Uh, right, right. Always feeling sense. like a failure. Always yeah. feeling like a failure because you can't measure up to your own yeah. expectations or those standards that, that society places upon us that we start internalizing. 100%. And again, even when I mentioned my own pattern, sort of starting life, kind of high achiever identity that's been socialized into me. Yes. And I know there's lots of other parents that can relate to that. So those are some of the ways that, that I can see the perfectionism piece showing up. How about the people pleasing? How does that interfere and how does that, you know? <clears throat> well, I was thinking about this one, especially like in motherhood is, I think this is where it may be so easy to get leaning heavily on like our relationships and the roles that we're playing in life. And that it begins to be pretty difficult or we notice that we're having a hard time prioritizing our own needs, our own wants, our own preferences. And that it may be that we feel a sense of like, we're almost losing a sense of our whole selves or losing touch with our autonomy outside of those roles, you know, especially mother, spouse, partner. Also, again, if you're, you know, in your workplace. Um, and it may be that like people are struggling to protect time for their basic health, their joys, their leisure, their, their well-being. And 
I guess I just think there can be a lot of reward and a lot of like when you talked about the socialization, I think there's a lot of pressures on moms to kind of be it all, do it all and sacrifice their own needs. So that's an, I think it's an easy one to fall into um, in these demanding contexts. I, I totally agree with you. Like, especially when we take on those roles, like we, we become a mom and then before we know it, we're we don't know anyone we don't know any other part of ourselves like we've entered into that sacrifice mentality I like to talk about that a lot because that sacrifice mentality mm -hmm. you know we're conditioned to think that we have to give up ourselves for our families and for our, or our spouses or for our mm -hmm. kids and then we end up with nothing of our own and then that's when we we end up feeling trapped we end up feeling like lost and defeated and it reinforces that whole belief of not being enough. 100%, those two often sort of feed on each other, that perfectionism, that not enoughness. And the other thing I think I had named that idea of like the strategy of trying to prove ourselves. And that can be sometimes, again, I think they all sort of reinforce each other, these three. And um, I think proving ourselves is an interesting one where it's like, who, again, I think it's rooted, like if perfectionism is rooted in like not good enough, mm -hmm. proving ourselves, I think often has a root in like somehow as that similar flavor of not enoughness. And therefore we're trying to compensate. We, we want to be that good enough mom. Does my mom-in-law think, oh my God, are the kids behaving at the dinner that, you know, like, right. you know, right. and like, I'm not, I'm not enough, that same right. not enoughness. And it's interesting to think we all have different values and scripts and what it means to be a good enough mom, partner, worker, volunteer, all those pieces that might, we're trying to over effort. It's like, we're just like constantly striving. And as you say, sometimes just really exhausting and depleting ourselves in the process. Right, right. So we just talked about like, you know, why, why moms are struggling with these. And mm -hmm. it is that underlying belief. Hey moms, can't catch a good night's sleep these days? I've got you. Sleep matters. And because it does, not getting the quantity or the quality you need can have detrimental effects on your health and well-being. To feel your best and not only to get through the day, but to have an absolutely amazing day, you've got to get the sleep your body and mind needs, which is why I developed Sleep Matters a course for moms to help you take care of yourself and get the kind of sleep you deserve. In this course, I teach you cognitive and behavioral strategies used in the treatment of insomnia. We work to minimize the sleep worries, re-equate your bed with sleep, set you up with a sound nighttime routine, and establish an environment that is conducive to sleep. Don't waste another night tossing and turning. Enroll in Sleep Matters, self-care for the troubled sleeper. And finally, get your Z's. Why else do you think that moms, why do we tend to, to lean towards that perfectionism and people pleasing and, and constantly having or thinking that we have to prove ourselves? Well, I think you're right that there's this not enoughness. And if that's kind of underlying from our own sort of personal lives and histories, as well as like exceedingly high cultural expectations, you know, um, then I think it makes sense that we're going to try to, in essence, overcompensate, okay. as I said. Overcompensating, yeah. But what I also think is 
this idea of trying to understand what it is we're trying to protect ourselves against. Like, what's that sense of internal anxiety or worries? If we're going to play with your metaphors, like, why does that potentially feel scary to take the cape off? Right. What might happen if we fall short? Like, I think there's something interesting to get curious. What's so scary if things were a little messier, less in control? It's like, these are hard kind of uncomfortable questions, but I guess that's my real curiosity. What's driving those patterns? Like what feels so scary if we took the cape off? So tell me more about, tell us more about the anxiety that's feeding these behavior and thinking patterns. Sure. So before I dive into that, Ani, I just want to give credit because I'm right now a student in Sass Petherick's self-belief coaching academy. Like I'm, I'm, it's a really fun upgrade of my own coaching tools. And Sass is, uh, she specializes in helping people transcend self-doubt. And she sort of gives this frame that we've got these protective strategies in place to help keep ourselves safe. And she has this idea, and I'd love to link to it in the show notes for people who are kind of want to learn more. But the key idea here is that there's actually some really common patterns. And she calls them the six P's. This is the podcast I'll give you so you can link to it. So the six P's include proving ourselves, perfectionism, and people pleasing. And just in case anyone's curious, it also includes passive behaviors, procrastination, and paralysis. Okay, we're not going to dive into the whole theory. But the idea is these are really common ways we try to protect ourselves and underlying anxieties. And what's interesting is that we all have different risks that we're trying to protect ourselves from. And SAS has developed what she calls like seven key psychological risks. So they include things like success, failure, complexity, judgment, rejection, disappointment. So what I think is interesting is with these three of these six Ps, it can be really helpful to be like, what's our particular flavor? Because for some people, they may be afraid of conflict. And so the idea of asserting their own needs, putting, taking care of their own well-being, going to the gym, well, maybe they're going to afraid of getting pushback from a spouse who's saying, no, it's working really well for me that you're like covering the domestic fear so well. So for them, their anxiety may rear up about conflict. And for someone else, they may have a really strong protective system that's like that not enoughness is really rooted in it's not safe if I fail, if I mess up. And so for them, that sort of perfectionism, that hyper more, more, more can't keep up. They may be trying to protect themselves against a feeling of failure in their own eyes, or maybe, you know, what, you know, my teacher is going to think I'm failing if I don't volunteer for all the class trips. But does that make sense? It's like, we all have different sensitivities. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I'm definitely going to look more. She's amazing. That's, that's something that definitely resonates. And I can see that where that would be how you're dividing that and how you just described that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the podcast, I really want to give her credit because she's, you know, she did a master's deeply going into this theme. Mm. And so the podcast that I thought for for you or your listeners, that's exactly what she outlines in the one I've chosen, the seven key risks and the six key protective strategies and how they work. And it makes total sense. And I guess I'm loving the work because sometimes we can feel bewildered, like, oh, six quick tips to self-care, sometimes it'll feel like it's not cutting it. And that's because if at an underlying level, 
that's that orientation. We're trying to keep ourselves safe and it's often a bit subconscious. Yes. Then it may feel even more frustrating. Like I'm a really smart person, but you know, and I tried, I was going to do my yoga and guess what? I didn't do it again. Because right, and then you thought, end up feeling that, you know, yeah, repeating that cycle. Exactly. So to me, it's almost like getting under the hood. Right. And instead of a more behavioral approach, like, come on, like, just try harder. It's like, well, wait a minute, what's really driving this pattern, which is, it's deep, sensitive work. It's not a quick fix, but I actually think it can be so profound and transformative. Right. So if, if moms do recognize that they mm -hmm. are um, exhibiting some of these patterns, like the perfectionism and the people pleasing and trying to prove themselves, what do you suggest? Or like, what suggestions do you have as to where to start to break mm -hmm. that cycle? and to get at these underlying causes. Yep. Well, I guess it sounds sort of simple, but the first thing is to become curious. I, I know that sounds maybe overly simplistic, but what I noticed, like just to sort of bring it home is like I had a client recently, busy mom, you know, high achieving academic professional. And she sort of fits the profile that I think is so much of your audience and some of who I work with. And she used the metaphor, like she came in because she just feels like she can't keep all the plates spinning. Right. And she came in kind of feeling like, oh, but this is where I'm going to get to. Like, well, what do I do? Because her first instinct was almost like, help me dig in harder. Like if I can only rev harder <laughs> or almost like to use your metaphor, like right, if I just that. sew on some extra strips on this cape, yeah. like, don't you think I can do it? Yes. And so I actually think the, the, the biggest, most important step is recognizing that even though these are our best attempts, that they're not working and right. they're not serving us. So I actually think the biggest step, and, and as she said, she actually gave me the metaphor. She's like, I feel like I'm a smoking plane that has run out of gas. It's like that cartoon and you see it spiraling down. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, but what we were laughing at with some compassionate humor was her first instinct was like, help me figure out the magic bullet. Like I, yes. it's not, I can't put anything down. And so the biggest, most radical shift is to start going, oh my gosh, what if I can't do it all? Like right. there isn't this magic bullet and almost begin to turn back and question the patterns we're in. So it sounds simple, but I think the very first step is to be willing to consider that the strategies I'm trying a perfectionist can't just do those perfectionist yeah. strategies better, you know? Right. <laughs> so I think the first step is curiosity. I think often it's not mandatory, but I think a coach or in some instances, a therapist, I think that can be really helpful because some of these protective beliefs and these kind of deep underlying fears, often they're a little murky. They're not just so obvious. We think it's about I've just got to get the kids more polished up or, you know, but if we're going to dig around, sometimes it's like we almost have blind spots and these protective beliefs can be actually a little hard to see. So I would say if people haven't considered having a coach or a therapist to examine and get curious, I think that can be a game changer for a lot of right. people, sincerely. Right. Because you're sometimes you're so close to the problem. You're so close oh. in it that you can't see objectively what's going on those blind spots yeah because it's not just cerebral if we're going to start going down into those places where there's some anxieties and worries like it can feel 
that safety is real. And that mm-hmm. feeling, you know, even with that client, like she's, we're just beginning, we've worked together before. We're just doing another round. These are pretty familiar patterns for mm-hmm. her, but you know, in her case, and she gave me permission, even though I'm not going to give any confidentiality <laughs> way, but you know, it can actually feel really vulnerable as you know, mm-hmm. to begin to take the risk to run new experiments and put, you know, put, it often means saying no to some opportunities, you know, extricating ourselves from commitments because we're so overstretched, like accepting that we're, we may have to do less. Right. And, and that's that can be so a- hard for overachievers to, to, so hard. To, to learn to say no and to learn to kind of protect your own time, space and energy. Yes. I'm not used to doing that. And yeah, so it can be highly unfamiliar and that's uncomfortable onto itself. And it can feel like we really might risk failure or we might risk being judged. Maybe someone else won't think, you know, maybe there will be a teacher who's disappointed. Oh, she used to do so much volunteering and always on the committees. And you know what, now that we're, maybe that's where we choose to prioritize our ability Mm -hmm. to get to the gym. You know what, we might encounter judgment. And so it's interesting to be like, how do we learn to tolerate that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that making sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I want to thank you so much for for jo- for diving into all this and bringing such clarity onto these issues because perfectionism, people pleasing, trying to prove yourself, mm-hmm. you, it is a trap. It's a trap that does keep us playing small for sure. Yeah. Well, like you say, it almost can feel like a vicious cycle, like that trapped quality where if we just keep leaning on those strategies harder, we're not getting new results, you know? And so it is, I think, really interesting if we're willing to begin to be more curious about what's driving them underneath. Yes. So you had mentioned when, when we talked about this, so become curious, the suggestions yeah. as to how to get out of these, these patterns mm-hmm. is to become pure, curious and to hire a coach, therapist, someone who can help you mm-hmm. see it from a different perspective see what's what's keeping you stuck and then is there any other takeaways that you want to drive home and and leave our listeners with well I guess I would add and you sort of touched on it earlier around say socialization but I guess in addition to taking a look at like our own sort of fears that might be running the show underneath um, the surface I also think it does matter that we can bring a critical look at like well, what are the contexts we're navigating? You know, we're not just operating in little vacuums. So for example, you know, if we're in a family culture that really has this prizing of moms who are self-sacrificing, that we may encounter more legitimate pushback to stay in that role at the expense of our own needs. Or likewise, if we're in a professional culture that kind of has almost like a toxic productivity expectation and values and then that's not easy. So I think it's not just our own stuff, but sometimes we're going to have to navigate, you know, challenging circumstances to figure out how we negotiate those in order to come back to what you're talking about of being able to take care of ourselves, build in more play, more joy, more well-being. So there's our, the context that we're navigating. And then also this idea of sometimes those anxieties or self-doubt will arise because there is a lack of what I would call frame psychological safety. So whether it's a spouse that, you know, let's say we are a stay-at-home mom and part of that joy and like building ourselves like 
new possibilities that feel expansive to us means, you know what, I want to get back into the paid workforce. Mm -hmm. But that may be tougher. If we have a spouse who's cheering us on, saying that's great, (laughs) then there's a high level of psychological safety. Our own anxieties may feel more settled and off we go. Alternatively, if we have a spouse who, again, like I said, maybe they're pretty invested in us staying in that Mm -hmm. role, then psychological safety may be lower. And we may be like, it's natural then that those anxieties are higher. So just to bring that critical lens as well, you know, yes, we can get curious about our own stuff, but we're operating in particular circumstances and it can be helpful to add context and bring again, often greater compassion to ourselves and why it feels so hard to sometimes get out of these patterns. Does that make sense? Right. It makes, it makes amazing sense. Right. Mm-hmm. We do have to look as we're not in a vacuum. You're right. We're not living in a vacuum. We have relationships. We can grow in our relationships, but we need to make sure that our environment and those that we surround ourselves with are going to support us as we move forward. The other thing I think too, with that, like if there are women listening, um, there's always a resource I love. I wonder if you've read this book yourself, Ani, called Overwhelm, how to work. Let me just get the title. Yeah, I did. Right. I, I read so many shocked. books. I probably... If, I would probably start reading. I'm, I'm doing one right now. My, I started reading it and I was like 10 pages in. And I'm like, I think I've read this book before. <laughs> well, <laughs> this, well, this one's called Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time okay. by Bridget Schultz. And it's been around for a number of years, but I think it's still so relevant. And so for, again, for when women are in that feeling of like, I just can't seem to manage all like spinning the plates. What I love about her approach is she looks at sort of like we have been talking about a little bit, some of the psychology of some of these patterns we may feel stuck in. And she also, again, brings attention to context. So for example, she's American and she talks about, look at the different outcomes. And she's talking especially about mothers and women as parents. She compares like the parental leave strategies or vacation, sorry, parental leave policies or vacation policies in Denmark versus the US. And so for example, like I know the US, I mean, I'm from Canada, but I'm, my understanding is like, even just thinking about the early years when you've got a newborn, my understanding is like, it's a pretty small paid parental leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, whereas a country like Denmark has extensive, like we have a year up to 18 mm-hmm. months. Um, but I think Denmark and some of the countries in Europe have even more extensive parental leaves. So if we just focus on our own ability to like, if we just sort of figure out our strategies, well, we may be neglecting to look at how much support are we getting from our broader societies? Because of course it makes sense that women would have a lot more support than if they're already, you know, like stressed trying to juggle work and parenting in those early years. So again, I just think that's a great book and it's a really smart one that looks at both our individual patterns as well as context. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. So what is your go-to self-care practice? How do you like to take care of yourself? 
I've got a few favorites and I was like, I couldn't choose just one. So I'll, I'll share them. Journaling for sure. Okay. And for me, I find it's most accessible if I prioritize that and do that in the morning before my kids get up. Mm-hmm. When so you can actually hear your thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and otherwise the day just has the tendency to start like <laughs> going a little haywire. So yeah, so I love to journal. And I think for me, what that gives me is that sense of sort of listening to my own thoughts, listening to my own feelings, just feeling connected and kind of anchored in myself. Right. So journaling for sure. And it's changed, you know, my kids, as I said, they're mm-hmm. five and seven. So it's changed at different stages already. But another non-negotiable self-care practice for me right now is a daily walk. So I drop my, I walk my kids to school. And then even if there's a lot of work waiting for me, even if my to-do list is like this, I, I go for a walk and okay. 20 minutes. So that's, I think just being in my body, being in nature, I love inspirational podcasts. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful. And then the other um, one that I want to mention, which began during the pandemic, was, is like, I have basically like a little daily buddy. So a really good friend during when we both had our kids home for months on end and everything was like, that was really tough. As I know for many parents, we were just starting to feel like we were kind of losing our cool. Like it was not Mm -hmm. great. So we were like, you know what, let's do a little text to each other each day. And we'll share like, what are each of our key goals? Cause it was just, again, easy to start feeling like we're just, cause it was mom mode. So we were like, it just was sort of anchoring to let each other know, like, okay, here's one key goal for me today. And here's, Mm -hmm. it just, I think, boosted that sense of agency amidst a time where there was so much that was out of our control. And then what that's evolved into is even a more intimate little check-in, like, you know, voice audios, we just connect. And so for me, even though I have a supportive partner, there's something awesome about friendship and Mm -hmm. It's just that reminder that self-care doesn't always mean self-reliance. Like it's all just what I do for myself. I would honestly say having that kind of emotional support and friendship is a huge self-care practice. It's social self-care. Yeah. Investing in your relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like a lifeline, like to have Mm -hmm. someone where there's so much relating and connecting and empathy. I find it really, really helpful. And it, you know, I'd say we access humor at times when it's like laugh or cry and it's so nice. And other times we cry. But yeah, yeah if people are lucky enough to have that, I think it can be um, a huge one. And I'm imagining even with your community, some people, sometimes you're going to find it, you know, in, in our informal support systems. And sometimes yeah. it's so cool to know there's stuff out there just waiting for us. Right. Every, I don't want to plug in for my group, but yes, every, every month I do a social lunch break. And that's my goal is to help build relationships between the members, because I know that you can feel isolated and especially like stay at home moms and moms that don't even have that adult interaction with other people during the day, like other adults, like it's, I, I wanted to provide that opportunity to get out and connect and create those relationships between other moms, because having friends and having those connections can be a lifeline for sure. A hundred percent. I think you're right. Parented in this in this, especially this culture where it's more solo parents or Mm -hmm. nuclear families, often it's just not enough adult support. It's not adequate. So I think that's so cool that you're offering that. I think it's essential. So you've mentioned a few books. I know that you are an Mm -hmm. avid reader. (laughs) Yeah, I am. And I ask all our guests, and this is usually (laughs) the, the, the question that nobody can choose one 
So mm -hmm. you had said about those self-care practices, you struggled with that. But what book has greatly impacted your life or that you would like to recommend, aside from the other two books, The Finding Your Own North Star and The yeah. Overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. Is there another book or is it those? Well, it's funny because I was going to say The Finding Your Own North Star. Give me a moment because like, I'll just think if there's one. Well, I guess the book that's coming to mind, Ani, is not because it's the one top game changer of my life, but just knowing that anyone who's listening to this podcast and wanting to offer resources that might feel like really speak to those who struggle with perfectionism, proving themselves, people pleasing, is a book called Do Less. Um, and it's by Kate Northrop, and it's got the subtitle, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Busy Moms. And so I dipped into it and like, you know, she's an entrepreneur herself. And so especially I think for women who might be trying to juggle entrepreneurship and motherhood, but I think it might have a lot to offer um, your community and your listeners. Awesome. So you have a free gift for the listeners. Oh, yeah. You want to share about that? Sure. So I've got a little resource and it's called Safe to Rest, Learning to Slow Down in a Culture that Never Stops. And it's an audio file and a little worksheet. And it's just designed to help people better like explore and better understand what's holding them back from resting and creating more spaciousness in their daily life. Why it can be so compelling, like this kind of pull of productivity. And, yeah, and, and yet the surprising power of cultivating more presence in our lives. And also the importance of calming our nervous systems because it can be an adjustment to learn to slow down, to learn to move through yes. our days in a more settled way. So there's just a little bit of like 101 around how to pay attention and this idea of that, that it's not just like ideas here, but we actually also have to learn how to sort of soothe our nervous systems. I love that because I've had conversations with moms and they're like, you know, they're under that, that do more mentality and to have to sit and relax is torture. And I remember that used to be yeah. for me too. Like I, I would, my husband would be like relaxing and I'd be with the vacuum and like, <laughs> like yes. it was like, oh my gosh, like I had such these expectations, these unrealistic expectations and like thoughts of like that it was, you know, non-productivity and like relaxing meant like laziness meant, you know, that, that again, I wasn't good enough, that yeah. it was like all of these beliefs that I held around relaxation, that I really needed to dig deep and start expelling some of them and start shifting what my beliefs were just to be able to get those benefits. I did. I never realized how many benefits there were in just resting. Oh, Gosh, that could be its own whole other podcast, mm -hmm. yes, right? <laughs> but, but the other thought that crosses my mind when you share that from your own personal experience, I think it's also interesting, like sometimes that part about the nervous system and the body, because sometimes, again, we can have an intellectual grasp of why it would be good for us and our lives mm -hmm. and our relationships. But it's almost, as you say, it's almost like a torture, like it does not yes. feel comfortable, <laughs> because I think sometimes it's literally we've had a lifetime this is it's just so familiar yes. this kind of revved it's and we can have it's like operating with a kind of underlying chronic sense of threat like ah mm -hmm. scarcity I better do this I've got to do that you know and so I think that fear it can be almost like more also like a felt sense in the body a distorted sense like if I slow down things are going to somehow spin out of control yes in a frightening way and that has to do with 
not just ideas and beliefs, but there's almost something about, again, learning how to soothe our nervous system mm -hmm. to begin to build out a more proportionate sense of, hey, we're not quite so indispensable and right. everything can be more okay than we think. But again, right. that takes a bit of unpacking and a bit of learning new tools to, to relax. Right, that the world's not gonna fall apart. <laughs> yeah, but that can be harder. That's that can be like as well, right? Yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot of layers to this as we both know in working with ourselves, supporting others in the process. Like it's, it can be sort of slow and steady work to try new ways you know, take that cape off. And then sometimes we'll get stressed and we, oh, we put it back yeah, on. Right. Like it's a, it's a work in progress, you yes, know? That we, we all are, we all are work in progress is for sure. Yeah. So Nicola, where can listeners find you? Oh, I would say the, the two best places would be my website. So www.nicolahomes.com. Uh, or .ca. I think it's, and, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, thank you. Up in Canada. It'll be in the show notes. It yeah. will be in the show notes. And then also on Instagram, and my handle is at Nicola Holmes Coach. Okay. So I'd love to connect with people. They could find me there. Or again, if they want to um, pick up that free resource, and then if they like, they can join my newsletter, and, and I'd love to support. All right. Awesome. So all of Nicole's information is going to be found in the notes of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us. Oh, happy to be here, Ani. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Capes podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.